Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. Chapter number three. I told him in Sunday school this morning I can read without my glasses on, and here I am, can't read with my glasses on, so that's good. Genesis chapter three. I want to begin, I don't want to say I'm going to begin a series, I'll just say this, that the Lord's kind of, He gave me a thought some time back, and I kind of jotted it down, and I've I've gone back to it and looked at it a few different times, and I believe there are a number of of sermons maybe that the Lord would have me to preach kind of around this topic in the future, and maybe we'll just come back to it as the Lord leads, but uh, today I, I want to draw attention to something specifically that the Lord drew my eye and heart to in my Bible reading some months back in the book of Judges. Uh, But before we get over there, I want to give you a little bit of a foundation here in Genesis chapter 3. Of course, we all know the account of Genesis chapter 3, how that it it tells us the temptation and fall of man uh, there in the Garden of Eden, how that the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. And he came and he beguiled Eve and convinced her, if you will, in in the tempting of her, Uh, to partake of that fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which God had told them that in the day they eat thereof, they would surely die. And he said, thou shalt not surely die. Uh, But in verse number 14, all that's taken place, and both Adam and Eve have partaken of that fruit, and they have now begun to hide themselves from the Lord uh, because they realized that they were naked the moment that sin came into their hearts, and the Lord has come to them. And he is angry, obviously the Lord is angry at what has occurred uh, here in the first 13 or so verses of, of the Bible. Verse 13 here of Genesis 3, the Lord says, he says to him, what is this that thou hast done? I mean, he's outraged, he's upset, he's like, what have you done? Why would you do this? And after he finds out what's happened, and because uh, the Lord is a just God, he then meets out judgment in verse number 14. And we have what we often refer to as the curse. And we like to say something like, thanks, Adam. You know, every time we're out there and it's like, well, it's the curse. Thanks, Adam. Uh, verse 14, the Bible says, The Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. If you want a great Bible study, study verse 15, and what that means about that serpent and the woman and her seed in the heel. You'll find out it's real good. I won't spoil it for you. Verse 16, Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow shalt thou bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Has anybody ever used post hole diggers? 
Thanks, Adam. I mean hard ground. Amen. We about flipped a tractor at my house when we were working on the deck in the back. My dad brought a tractor over there with a, with a post hole digger, and we were doing some stuff, and there's a big rock under the ground. We had to pull it up with chains. I mean, we about flipped a tractor. A tractor. Thanks, Adam. Verse 18, look at this. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. Let me just pull up my clock here. If I don't, I'll have no idea how long I'm going, and, and I, I don't want to wear you out today. Um, so here, really, what we're looking at here in this passage, we're looking at what I said, we know it as, the curse. Verse 19, In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, until thou return to the ground, and out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. When we study our Bible and we come across a word or a topic or something, I said this in Sunday school this morning uh, to the young people, when you come across a word and you really want to know well, what does this mean or, or what's this got to do with anything or what does this represent in the Bible, there's something called the law of first mention where you will often go and find the first time that that word is present in the Bible. And when you do, it'll give you an idea sometimes of, of the meaning or intention of the use of that word or that concept or idea throughout the Bible. Now, that's not always true. But it is a good studying tool. And the word here that I want to focus on today is found in verse number 18. And what it is, is it is thorns. Throughout the Bible, there are a lot of occasions where this word thorn is used. And God is speaking to people and He refers to these thorns. And, and there are multiple occasions throughout the Bible. And the Lord kind of jumped it at me in the passage we're going to go to in the book of Judges. Uh, but I want to kind of draw your attention, if I could to these thorns for a minute. And we, we know what thorns are, and we know how they're present uh, in many different ways in the real world. But in the eyes of God, thorns are a symbol and a component of the curse. Amen. It is a bad and negative thing. A thorn, well, let's just say, you ever grabbed a thorn? Was it a pleasant experience? Lord, no. I remember when I was younger, we were doing a skit uh, in the youth group, and there's this old tree down by the creek where, near where my grandparents lived. And it is literally wrapped in thorns all the way up. And I mean, some of them things grow out this long. Vines around it that serve no other purpose than to just grow thorns. Now, we know that sometimes thorns are a lot sneakier than that. Amen? Such as the thorns on a rose. Have you ever grabbed a rose or a plant that looked beautiful to the eye when you picked it up? Suddenly, it stuck you. Amen? Or walking through... Uh, through a field or something, and before you know it, something has grabbed your leg or your, or your pants, and it's those thorns, and they're just annoying, and they're painful. Some of them can be very dangerous. Some of them, in certain areas, carry poisons and things that will cause numbing components. It can cause lots of issues and allergic reactions, and thorns are bad, is what I'm trying to get at. Y'all can see that, right? The Lord has even told Adam here in this chapter that part of the, uh, part of the curse that he is going to deal with is that he is going to have to work the ground to live and that the ground is going to react to him with thorns to make it harder and even painful. In studying these thorns throughout the Bible, like I said, there's many different occurrences, but I want to look, if I could, at Judges chapter number 1. Turn with me to Judges chapter number 1, and we'll, we'll stay here for the remainder of the sermon this morning. I want to look at a particular event in which the Lord refers to something as a thorn and how that hopefully we can learn from that in our, and apply it to ourselves today. Let's go to Judges chapter 1. Let's start there in verse number 27. We'll read down to the end of this chapter and grab a couple verses in chapter 2 here. Judges chapter 1 and verse 27, the Bible says, 
Neither did Manasseh drive out the inhabitants of Bethshean and her towns, nor Tanak and her towns, nor the inhabitants of Dor and her towns, nor the inhabitants of Iblium and her towns, nor the inhabitants of Megiddo and her towns, but the Canaanites would dwell in that land. And it came to pass when Israel was strong that they put the Canaanites to tribute and did not utterly drive them out. Neither did Ephraim drive out the Canaanites that dwell in Gezer, but the Canaanites dwelt in Gezer among them. Neither did Zebulun drive out the inhabitants of Kitron, nor the inhabitants of Nahalal, or the, but the, the Canaanites dwelt among them and became tributaries. Neither did Asher drive out the inhabitants of Acho, nor the inhabitants of Zidon, nor of Alab, nor of Axib, nor of Helba, nor of Aphek, nor of Rehob. But the Asherites dwelt among the Canaanites, the inhabitants of the land, for they did not drive them out. Verse 32, Neither did Naphtali drive out the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh, nor the inhabitants of Bethanan, uh, but he dwelt among the Canaanites. The inhabitants of the land, nevertheless the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh and Bethanan became tributaries unto them. I won't read these last three verses, I'll just tell you it continues to reinforce this idea how the Amorites, the children of Dan, and, and all these, they came and they dwelt there, and the Israelites did not drive them out. Now they fought them. Throughout the book of Joshua and the earlier books of Numbers and, and Exodus, there are many times where the Israelites would be at war with some of the people who are mentioned right here in these passages. But this event here at the end of Judges chapter 1 is occurring around the time uh, shortly after Joshua has died, and now the children of Israel have finally come to Canaan. Now you all know the account how they were in, in, in Egypt and they escaped and they, they fled and for 40 years God judged them in the wilderness and now finally Joshua has led that faithful generation that were 20 years old and younger from the original generation that left Egypt into the land of Canaan. They have marched through, we've seen the account of Joshua and the walls of Jericho and the sun standing still in the sky. They fought all those battles and now they are in Canaan and they are possessing it. The time has finally come for them to have the promised land. Look at verse 1 of chapter 2. We know from the end of chapter 1 as they have now finished their conquest of Canaan and they have settled in that they have decided rather than driving out these uh, Canaanites and driving out these enemies who were there before, they've allowed some of them to stay under the pretense that they would pay tribute to Israel. Verse 1 of chapter 2 says this, And an angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochim and said, I made you to go up out of Egypt, and have brought you unto the land which I swear unto your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. And ye shall make no league with the inhabitants of this land. Ye shall throw down their altars, but ye have not obeyed my voice. Why have ye done this? Wherefore I also said, I will not drive them out from before you, but they shall be as thorns in your sides, and their gods shall be a snare unto you. And it shall come to pass when the angel of the Lord spake these words, and it came to pass when the angel of the Lord spake these words unto all of Israel, all the children of Israel, that the people lifted up their voice and wept, and they called the name of that place Bochim, and they sacrificed there unto the Lord. I want to preach this morning on this simple thought of unnecessary thorns. Let's pray. God, we ask you this morning, if you would, God, please, help me to preach this word. God, I pray that you'd give me clarity of thought and speech this morning. God, that you would touch the hearts of every individual that's here. God, that we would not only hear the word, but God, that we would receive it 
and be a doer of the Word. God, I know this morning that there are some people here who are in danger of some of these unnecessary thorns. God, they are in danger of the devil hurting them and harming their lives. And God, my desire this morning as You've shown it to me in Your Word, God, is to warn them, God, to show them, God, the danger, Lord, that we can find in these things. And Lord, that You would protect us from that. God, speak to our hearts. God, show us what we stand in need of. We ask You humbly, in Jesus' name, Amen. It took the children of Israel a long time to reach Judges chapter 1 and chapter 2. God promised Abraham the land of Canaan all the way back in the teens of the book of Genesis. And He promised this nation and these people that would rise up and we go through Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and then Jacob's sons and then Joseph goes to Egypt and during a time of famine, the children of Israel migrate to Egypt and for many years they are there until eventually they become slaves. Many generations pass from that point to the point of the exodus to Egypt and now even from that 40 plus years they have traveled. Finally arriving here, they have finally got their land and this generation is the generation that obeyed the Lord. Amen. We've looked at how that those before in this church, how that previous generation that left Egypt, how that they were foolish and they were selfish and they, they were complainers and they were murmurers and that God judged them because they did not believe Him. But that their children who followed Joshua did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord for the most part. This is that good generation. This people we're reading about in Judges chapter 1 and chapter 2 here is that good generation. Even when they heard the word of the angel, they sacrificed and cried out, and they named that place Bochum, which is to say, weeping because of the sorrow of having offended God. But even though they were a good uh, generation and a good nation of people, and we know from, from verse number 7, it said that the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord that He did for Israel, even though they were Good people. Are y'all listening? Are y'all with me this morning? These are good, godly people. Even though they were good, godly people, they allowed a sneaky and sharp, dangerous presence of thorns to come into their lives. First, I want you to see the instruction of the Lord. These were good, godly people. They'd heard the Word of God they knew the Word of God, and they trusted the Lord. In the book of Numbers, chapter 33, verse 50, the Bible says, The Lord spake unto Moses in the plains of Moab by Jordan near Jericho, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When you're passed over Jordan into the land of Canaan, then ye shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land before you. What do we just read in chapter 1? They did not drive them out. They did not drive them out. They did not drive them out. Didn't we just read that? All the way back in Numbers chapter 33, God tells Moses, and He announces before all the people, as soon as you arrive and cross the river, drive them out. Isn't that what He said? It's the instructions of the Lord. He said, destroy all their pictures, destroy all their molten images, and quite pluck down all their high places. And you shall dispossess the inhabitants of the land and dwell therein, for I have given you the land to possess it. And you shall divide the land by lot for an inheritance among your families, and to the more you shall give the more inheritance, to the fewer you shall give the less inheritance. Every man inheritance shall be in the place where his lot falleth, according to the tribes of your fathers you shall inherit it. Listen to this. But if you will not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, 
Then it shall come to pass that those which ye let remain of them, it almost sounds like God knew exactly what was going to happen. He knew they wouldn't let them all stay. But he said, if those that remain, the ones, if you don't drive them out, the ones that remain shall be pricks in your eyes and thorns in your sides and shall vex you in the land wherein you dwell. Joshua, you say, well, you know what? They were probably pretty young all the way back there when Moses sent that word. Well, let's look at Joshua chapter 23, verse 11. Joshua chapter 23, verse 11 says this, Take good heed therefore unto yourselves, that ye love the Lord your God. Else if ye do in any wise go back and cleave unto the remnant of these nations, even these that remain among you, and shall make marriages with them, and go in unto them, and they to you, know for a certainty that the Lord your God will no more drive out any of these nations from before you, but they shall be snares and traps unto you, and scourges in your sides, and thorns in your eyes, until ye perish from off this good land which the Lord your God hath given you. You know what these people knew? They knew that God through Moses and God through Joshua had told them all, if you leave any of them here, they're going to be a big problem for you later on. It was a warning. It was a warning. And what he said was, there'll be thorns in your sides in Numbers, and there'll be thorns in your eyes in Joshua. I don't want thorns in my eyes. Amen? I don't want thorns in my sides, but I definitely don't want them in my eyes. That's bad. Can we agree? That is a, that is a big deal. That's a bad thing. We see the, the instructions of the Lord, then we see the impudence of Israel. In spite of the warnings that they had received, they've crossed Jordan, they've taken Canaan, and the first thing they do is leave a remnant. That's what we just read. They're finally here. The time has finally come. They have finally reached the promised land. They're splitting it up where it goes amongst them. It's finally theirs. And the first thing they do is fail to do the first thing they were told to do. They don't leave all the nations there, just a few, just a remnant, just a, just a, a few remaining because they, they've got an idea for them. We see the inquiry of the Lord there. We read it in chapter 2. And when the angel of the Lord showed up and he said, look, I told you, I'm going to give you this land. I'll never leave you. And he said, I told you, make no league or covenant with those people. Why have ye done this? Why have you done this? You know what's funny is this is the same nation who saw their parents die in the wilderness over disobedience. God told them to take the land. They called it a bad land, refused to obey God, and God said, fine, your carcasses shall fall in the wilderness. It's the same ones who had seen that, and they got to looking around, and they saw all the things going on, and they saw these remnant that remained, and we see the ignorance of their mistake. The ignorance of their mistake is this. They looked at a worldly prophet. Can you all see that? They looked around and they said, well, what's a few going to hurt? Let's leave these few Canaanites here. And what we'll do is we it said when Israel became strong. Did you see that in our passage in chapter 1? When Israel became strong, they let the remnant stay there so that they could make them pay tribute. You know what they saw? An opportunity for worldly gain. 
That's what they saw. They saw an opportunity for a worldly profit from these people who were left there. They should have known because the Lord literally told them again and again, if you leave them there, they're going to cause you problems later. Isn't that what he said? But they're looking around and they see a few remnants. They said, well, you know, it's mostly women and children and a few guys. And, and they're not, there's no Goliath-type warriors or anything out here. It's just, just some farmers who've got big land. And you know what? We'll just let them work the land, Jace. We'll let them work their farms and do their stuff. And then once a year, they can bring us part of their, their crops. And they can pay us in gold. And they, they can pay us in oxen and sheep and, and pay us in corn or whatever. We'll just take tribute from them. And then it started to spread. And all the different tribes, they began to set up tributaries. Little small little pockets of old nations among them that would line their pockets. It was a view of worldly gain. And it was an ignorant mistake to make because God had told them, don't do that. Don't leave them. It's going to be a problem. But they looked at it and said, well, what's it going to hurt? They saw a worldly prophet and they had a weak perspective of the danger that was before them. Here's what they thought. We've already won. Are y'all listening? We've already won. We've already got this in the bag. We've got the armies. We own the land. We've got all the cities. They can't do anything to hurt us. They can't do, we'll just take their, we'll take their crops, we'll take their money, and we'll take whatever they'll give us, and we'll just make them pay rent to stay here. And everything will be fine. And, and we're still God's people, and there's no danger. That was a weak perspective when God specifically told them that there was danger. They were rejecting what they'd been told in favor of what their eyes and their minds were telling them. They were rejecting the Word of God in favor of their own intellectualism. They didn't consider the religion that would result from leaving these people here. They didn't consider the relationships that would come as a result of leaving these people here. And God told them specifically, don't marry them. We see the injuries of Israel. They thought they would be fine. No worries. Nothing to worry about. Everything will work out. It might, they might have been a problem for others in the past. Oh, this... This, these Canaanites over here, yeah, at one time they were wicked and at one time they were paganistic and at one time maybe there was some temptation that happened with Israel because of them, but that won't happen to us. We're, we're a good generation. We're godly people. We follow Joshua. We follow God. God brought us into the promised land. What happened to them will never happen to us. Have y'all ever heard that? Well, it, it'll be fine. I'm not like that. I, I'm not as weak as they were. I, I won't go down that road they went down to. I saw what happened to them. I'll never go that way. The injuries of Israel first were the enemies that they would battle. They had an opportunity to snuff out these people, drive them out and get them away from them. They didn't. Day's going to come when these people are going to turn around and be a thorn in their side and a thorn in their eye, in battle. They are actually going to be battling many of these same nations again. And do you know why? Because they left a remnant. It's like if you've got a bunch of mice in your house, and you catch one, and you catch two, and you say, well, that's probably it. 
and throw the traps away. But what she didn't know is there was a small little remnant, just two. The next thing you know, there are 437 mice in your house. It was an infestation. And that's what this was. Here's what God said when the angel came. He said, you've done it now. You've left them. So you know what? I'm not going to drive them out for you. I'm not going to drive them out from you. And I'm not going to show up and protect you when they turn and bite you when I literally told you this would happen and you ignored me. That's what the Lord said. But not only do we see the enemies they would battle, but we see the evil that they would become. Here's the scary part. This is genuinely scary to me. Some of you are sitting thinking, what's this got to do with me? Verse number 10. And also all that generation, that generation who said, it won't affect us, we'll be fine, were gathered unto their fathers. They died. You know what verse 9 told us, or the previous verses there told us, verse number 7, said that they all served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the elders that outlived Joshua, that that generation served God. So they died thinking, we made it. They're gathered to their fathers, and there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which He had done for Israel. And the children of Israel did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, and served Balaam. How'd they know about Balaam? That great nation of Israel, and all those people, their children and their grandchildren became evil. Why? They didn't drive it out. They let those Canaanites stay in their little pockets, in their farms, in their little villages and communities, and keep their altars to Baal, keep their pagan religion keep their wickedness and their sin. You know what happened? Their children went into sin and away from God. They forsook the Lord, verse 13 says, and served Baal and Asheroth. Verse, verse 12 said, They forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt, followed other gods of the gods of the people that were round about them and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the anger of the Lord. Look at verse 14. The anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. He delivered them into the hands of spoilers that spoiled them. He sold them into the hands of their enemies round about so that they could not any longer stand before their enemies whithersoever they went. The hand of the Lord was against them for evil as the Lord had said and as the Lord had sworn unto them and they were greatly distressed. What in the world does this have to do with me? There's a very sad truth here. All of this was avoidable. All of this was avoidable. Brother Marty, if they had just driven out the Canaanites, and torn down their altars and their high places, then their children and their grandchildren would not have gone into slavery and been murdered because they worship false gods. Oh, they all gathered to their masters. They all, they all gathered to their fathers, rather. They all died. They served God with their whole life, and then they went on to heaven. But you know what they did? They failed their children. 
Oh, this won't hurt me. But I can tell you, I want to give you this important message and we'll be done. This happened because of their fulfilled desires. The reason this happened is because they put more stock in what they wanted, that money. Can you all see that? Those tributes, that worldly success than they did in what the Word of God said. They fulfilled their own desires, what they wanted and what they thought they needed, and here's what they said. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. Nothing will happen to me. Everything will be fine. I know better. I, I won't let this get a hold of me. I won't forsake God and become a worshiper of money and filthy lucre. I can handle this. It'll all be fine. But what they didn't know is by disobeying God, they were bringing in evil for their children. By disobeying God, they were condemning future generations to walk away from God and suffer the consequences. Are y'all listening? It happened because of their fulfilled desires. It happened because of their failure of disobedience. God made it very clear. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do that. It's like me telling my son, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't climb up on the couch. Don't climb up in that chair. Don't walk on that railing. Don't do this. And then they do it, and then they fall, and they bust their head on the ground. And you go, I told you not to do that. That's exactly what God's doing, speaking to His children. Don't do this. And then they did it, and He said, why would you do that? Now, because you did that, there are going to be thorns in your side. And when it happens, don't holler at me, because I'm not going to make it all disappear because it's a direct result of what you have done, you're making that choice. And you know what I find goes on in a lot of the lives of Christians? We look around in our lives and we see the things, and you know what they are? They're remnants of worldly things that we have allowed to remain in our homes and in our lives, and we see people out there, people out there who got addicted to drugs after one time messing around with it, and we say, it'll be fine. We've got family members right now who are eat up with disease in their bodies because of alcoholism, and we say, it'll be fine. It won't hurt me. I won't get, it won't get me like it got them. Amen? And here's what God's saying. God says this, wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. The deception of these sorts of sins, we say, it'll be fine. I don't, have to do what the, I don't have to do what the preacher says. He's just taking too hard a line on something that don't matter. I don't have to do what they say. I know this is hard preaching. Can you all handle it? I'll be honest with you. If I die and I go to heaven, and I'm looking down and what I see is the destruction of my children because of stupid decisions I made, I had a terrible legacy. I can preach every Sunday, every Wednesday, hand out gospel tracts, sell everything I got and give it to the poor. But if my children walk away from God because I was too selfish to get rid of the remnant in my life because I said there's no danger, then my legacy is as a failure. Amen. I know children have their own choices and sometimes the world out there can lure them and that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about things that occur in our lives as a direct result of us looking and saying, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Yeah, I know it ruined their life, but it won't mine. I know it was a thorn in their eye, but it won't be in mine. I know that it broke that family apart, 
looking at those things and doing those things. But it won't do that to me. Guess what? Maybe, you're, maybe you'll be lucky. Maybe you'll die, and it'll never happen to you. But watch your children. Isn't that scary? Isn't it terrifying to think? That my little boy, my sweet little lumpy-headed boy, wandering around, bouncing off everything, as an adult, would walk away from God and everything that's true about God and worship sin and worship the world because of some little thing that I regarded as more important in my life than obedience to God. Well, you can't prove it to me. Is it wrong for someone to pay rent? It's not a trick question. As far as I know, maybe you can show me later I'm wrong. I don't think there's anything sinful about getting paid rent. But God said don't. We want to draw lines, and then we want to make them dotted lines. We want to give our lives to God, and we want to put an asterisk at the end of it. I'll serve God, but this thing that everybody makes such a big deal out of. Yeah, I know. I know that looking at that stuff broke that home apart. I know that drinking that stuff ruined this family. I know that going to those places and doing those things, it broke it up here, and it destroyed that there, and this one's suffering because of it, and that's suffering because of it. But that will never happen to me because I just don't see it that way. And as all those Israelites sat around, they looked and said, but these guys over here, they're not so bad. We'll just let them pay us rent and they can hang out. We'll take their sheep and we'll take their corn. And then their children were slaves and murdered. And they walked away from God and they bowed down to Baal. You know what some of those false gods did? They made their children pass through the fire of Molech. They literally sacrificed their children by fire to please their false gods. That's the direction they were headed. How did they go from being one of the best most godly generations who follow God their whole lives to their children in one generation. How? Because of unnecessary thorns. They made that problem for themselves. Can y'all see that? There's other thorns in the Bible. Thorn, Paul said he had a thorn in the flesh. He asked God to take it from him and we could look at those, and we may one day and talk about some of those things. But can I submit to you today, there's a lot of hurt and a lot of heartache and a lot of destruction in the homes of Christians that is completely unnecessary. We allow any ungodly thing to come into our home, the wrong music, the wrong things on the TV, the wrong, the wrong lifestyle, the wrong this, wrong that, and we say, yeah, I know that stuff is bad, but we're Christians and we know better and it won't, it won't hurt us, it won't affect us. And the next thing you know, your children are out of church. And your grandchildren don't even know who God is. It's unnecessary. To the point that God sent a messenger and said, why would you do this? God didn't send fire down from heaven and destroy them because of a mistake they made. He said, you've brought destruction on yourself. And now your, your generations are going to suffer because you 
you wanted the things of this world, just the little things more than you were willing to be obedient to God. Jeremiah chapter 4 verse 3 said this, For thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground, and sow not among thorns. The worst thing about thorns is that they are very often not seen until they're felt. Stick your hand in there to grab that flower. Walking through that field and... You're looking around thinking everything's going to be fine. And then one day, you're bleeding. You're cut. The bleeding won't stop. I'm here this morning trying my very best to tell you these are unnecessary, completely avoidable thorns. I'm not telling you your kids are going to be perfect if you don't let some of these things in your life, but I am telling you this, that if you don't heed the warning and you don't listen to what God's telling you, and I don't know what your, I don't know what your remnant is, the Bible, pe- people often refer to them as secret sins, pet sins. Y'all heard people say that? And when they say those things, they're talking about little things that we all do or deal with, and, and everybody, they've got this little thing, and, and, and they just, they're like, well, this is, it's not that big a deal. It's not that big a deal. That stuff is the stuff that ruins your children. This ain't, this ain't a holler amen kind of message. But can I tell you, I don't need you to holler amen. Because if I was sitting where you were at, I'd probably have my head bowed. I don't think I'd be hollering amen. Because in my heart this morning, you know how I feel when I read this and I think about this? I, I feel terrified. I don't want to be like David and lose all my children. I don't want to mourn them. I love my kids. I love your kids. I see all these little ones up here singing. It just gives me nothing but joy, Brother Marty. Seeing Riley run up there. In that camp meeting, my boy in my arms, people shouting. He's got his hand up. Amen. Barely say daddy. I don't want, I don't want him to be a casualty. For my daughter to be a casualty over remnants that I'm not willing. I like it too much. I enjoy that. It's my thing, and it's fine. It's not that big a deal. But God said it is. Don't sacrifice your children over unrepented sin. I love God. I want my children to love God. Last night, Holden Peyton, she's getting sleepy, and she says, Daddy, can I pray? Because we've told her to pray before you go to sleep. And now she gets sleepy. The first thing she says, Mommy, can I pray? Thank you for Daddy. Thank you for Mammy and Pappy. Thank you for all these. And thank you for this. And she starts naming everything off. And I'm just thinking, God, don't let me. Please, God, help me to never keep a remnant in my pride and hubris that will be a thorn for my children. Maybe you'll get lucky and you'll survive. I don't want my children to pay the price for my foolishness. Let's all stand. God, Lord in heaven, I I feel the heaviness this morning of your word on my heart. 
God, I know that in my life right now, Lord, there's things, God, that maybe not sinful or wrong, but God, maybe I put too much emphasis on a thing. Lord, you told us it'd be better that a millstone were hung about our neck and cast into the sea than to offend one of these little ones. God, I ought to get right, I ought to get rid of sin in my life because it offends you. And I ought to get rid of those things in my life because you told me to. And because I love you. God, if I won't do it for that, please. Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you.